I have my Diet Dr. Pepper Zero with cream soda. Which you shouldn't have. And I've got I've got podcast number 19 spun up. This is going to be a good one. You folks up in Oklahoma might want to listen to this one. Welcome to the Klein Files. My name is Philip Klein, along with Caroline Gear. Good morning. Our MSE. And welcome to the Molly Miller case. Okay, so here we go. There's a case up in Oklahoma. Happened back in 2013 in July. Called the Molly Miller case. Now, I don't want to leave out Cole Haynes. But Molly's family is the one that retained our firm. Uh, and we've been involved in the case now, so, well, since 2014, right? I believe so. 2014. 2014. Yeah, 2014. So that puts us in seven years in this case. And, and the first thing I want to say to everybody is, is whether you hire our firm or whether you hire any firm out there, don't expect miracles in the first, you know, don't expect miracles during the entire case. Uh, there's a hard group of working investigators, such as the ones in our firm and other firms throughout the United States that really focus and concentrate on missing persons. You'll know you have the right person when they, they, uh, they latch onto it like a bone and uh, like a dog with a bone. And that's kind of where we are today uh, with the Molly Miller case. Now, there has been some big media out there in the last, in national media, I heard the national media picked up on it, uh, in the last uh, two weeks regarding the Molly Miller case where we made a statement to the press. And the reason we made the statement to the press is because we believe you, the public, needs to know. So therefore, we're going to kind of follow up on the Molly Miller case, and uh, we're going to go from there uh, and try to explain it to you and explain to you what just happened and why we said what we said and, and give you a little bit more of the background. Now, police agencies involved is the FBI, OSBI, Oklahoma Highway Patrol, Love County, and Carter County, as well as, and I can never remember that police agency's name it's a small city police department with one police two police cars and carter? no it's carter county we have already said carter county that long where the chase started god dog i have a mental blank uh, anyway wilson wilson, wilson there you go wilson police department god bless them good good police department um good police chief um they did an extensive investigation on this case and uh, we are, uh, you know, you can't be more proud of those folks. Let me tell you something, folks. You cannot be more proud of those guys. That's a small city police department with maybe four police officers that uh, that their file is thicker than some of the bigger agencies' files that I've seen. So anyway, um, so everybody's worked together uh, in the police agency side. They've all worked together and they've all communicated and they've all talked and done their thing and then you have uh, our little old firm uh, out of Nederland, Texas that got involved in the case like we said in 2014 uh, and we immediately got up there we've done I don't know how many searches god dog we're up to what 10 11 searches now in different areas with different investigators with different dogs with 
different principles. Trey Sargent had a chance up there, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, one of the things I don't want to disappoint everybody, and please don't stop listening because of what I'm about to say, is that we are not going to give the exact location where, I got to be honest with everybody, we missed it. I mean, we missed it. We missed it by about, what would you say, 600 yards, 650 yards? Yeah, I think we calculated it up, and it was, I want to say, 2,500 feet. Yeah, we missed it. In feet. Yeah. So... But the point I want to make is we missed it. Yeah, we did. We're not perfect. Nope. And uh, we missed it. We found the location. And so we'll go back to all that here in just a second. But we found the location where uh, Colt had said that he was up in a tree trying to figure out what the hell was going on. The tree branch broke and he fell and he broke his leg. We found that location. We know where that was. And the dogs all hit on it. And not only our dogs now. We've had, what they say to us the other day? I think, three. I think they've had three other dog teams. Three other sets of dogs. Yes, all cadaver. All cadaver teams. trained, yeah. So And chances cadaver trained. Mm-hmm. So now we've had four at teams, four. at least four, maybe five with this other guy that does his thing. But anyway, four cadaver dog teams have hit on the same location. These are all certified trained cadaver dogs. Uh, from around the United States and around Oklahoma and Texas. So happy days. I mean, it's a good thing. Uh, And we all kind of, you know, just sit up and say, you know, we know the location where they were when the famous phone calls were made. So let's just kind of go through the sequence of what happened in the Molly Miller case. Um, Wilson, Oklahoma, July of 2013, a gentleman by the name of Con Nip had Molly and Colt in a car. Uh, The car was owned by Khan's at the time girlfriend. And uh, he got the car and they stopped to get some, um, I I think, what was it? Some Skittles and some drinks and that sort of thing because they were all high on meth. That's been established. Everybody was higher than the kite in the car. Now, you know, you can judge people, but Drug abuse is a horrible deal. If you know anything about us here at this firm, we look at drug abuse uh, as a disease. We don't look at it as a choice. We believe it's inherited. There's a gene in us, and it's been said over and over. Now, do you have a choice whether or not you want to try to go get fixed? Yeah, that's a choice. But drug abuse, alcohol abuse, it's usually run off of a gene. And so most of the people in the car had the gene um, from their parents abusing drugs or alcohol or maybe a dysfunctional growth period. That's your side, right? The dysfunctional growing up uh, where people try to medicate themselves to make themselves feel better. Anyway, so they were on the car. They saw two uh, police police cars seen there from Wilson. Went around to the car. They shot rocks all over the, the police cars, and the chase was on. They went out to, and you can't make these roads up, folks. They went out a main thoroughfare outside of that city. Then they turned left on on uh, Water Moccasin Road. <laughs> just every time I hear that, I just shake my head. Which eventually swings itself around to uh, uh, 
I'm having another mental blank. What's the name of that main road? Oswald Road. And they I, took oh, they Road. Well, I understand, but but they turned they turned on Oswald Road, almost hit a police car head on that was coming. There was radio transmission from the former sheriff telling everybody to kind of back down a little bit. They knew it was con nip. And sure enough, he took a right on Long Hollow Road, went down Long Hollow Road, got to the end of Long Hollow Road, took a right and started taking the car through the woods. Remember, they're all high on drugs. And these are not roads through the woods, folks. This is the woods. Okay. Car parts were turned off the, the torn off the car. Uh, they knocked down a fence. They ended up on uh, some land. Uh, where they bottomed out the car, they got up on a little peak, they stopped the car, uh, Molly and, and, and Colt were still in the car as well as Con Nip, um, and then they started the car again, and they went up another hill, and they ended up on, uh, the, was it the Wilson property, or who, who owned that property? I think it was the Wilson property. I think it was. The it was the Wilson property, and so they, uh, Eventually, the car gave out. They all bailed out of the car. Con Nip said, see y'all, I'm going home. And in his high and in, 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 uh, drunken stupor, somehow, at some time, at some point, ended back up to where he lives down on Long Hollow Road. Molly and Colt were left on their own to fend for themselves. Now, remember, one thing about methamphetamine and its usage, it makes you paranoid. So in their paranoid state, they left and they followed a creek ravine down to a very large tree. They got up and they didn't know where they were. Colt got up in the tree, and this is all according to sworn statements of people they were talking to on the phone, trying to get them to come help them and find them. Got up into the tree. And to just to see where he was, it was pitch black. It was kind of a new moon. It wasn't, it was a new moon, but it, it had kind of a, what would you call it, Caroline? One fourth moonlight and the moon was going down at night. So it was pitch black out there. Now, remember folks, this is in July. Okay. There are rattlesnakes everywhere out there. And I, I'm telling you, I considered an infestation out there. I mean, there is a lot of rattlesnakes. There are a lot of snakes. There are a lot of uh, deer, there are a lot of, uh, what would you say, wolf, uh, coyotes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting place out there. And so he climbed up into the top of this tree just to see where he was. The tree branch broke, which was a very, very large tree branch, broke upon his weight. He was approximately, I'd say, what would you call it, 10, 12 feet? In, in the, the air? In the air. Uh, yeah, it was a tall tree. It was a tall tree. Yeah, it was. He was up ten. Well, anyway, so he lands on his feet. He breaks his leg, and the bone is sticking through the flesh. Molly tries to help him. Eventually, sometime in the night, Molly says, "Look, I gotta go get us some help." Now, at night, the night temperature that night was seventy-six degrees. That's palatable. Okay, that's not going to create uh, any type of um, dehydration. But what will cause the dehydration is the methamphetamine, right? And they've been drinking. So, you know, add all that together and there's probably some dehydration plus his blood loss. So Molly takes off and goes on a walk and tries to find 
help. Tries to get a cell phone signal. She calls 911. How many times? Tell that story on the 911 call. At 12.57 a.m., Molly called 911, and it was a five-second phone call. Dispatch or 911 called her right back with no response. Um, no one was ever dispatched to the area to check out the 911 call. And the 911 call is verified that it came into the Marietta dispatch. Um, her phone at the time pinged off of towers between Pike and Long Hollow Road. Um, and that the actions, um, you know, that surround, I guess, the connections from Love County um, Sheriff and his relationship with the driver of the car, which has been stated as Connip, um, are all, you know, unanswered questions. We have a lot more now than what we did seven years ago. Exactly. Now we have seven years of investigation under our belt. And so does law enforcement. And so does technology. Now, why do I say that? Because the technology of, of, well, the first thing that happened was Ronnie Hampton. I can't say enough about this guy. This guy's maybe, I know he's going to probably bop me on the head next time he sees me. But uh, this guy, if it wasn't for Ronnie Hampton, I don't think we'd be as far down the road as we all are on both the law enforcement and the PSB side of this investigation. Do you, Carolyn? I mean, I think everybody played a big part and everybody had their own interviews and their own way of going through this investigation. I think Ronnie was the one that, that started the whole thing, uh, got out there. And, um, you know, and then, of course, when we were hired a year later, um, you know, we found the first, well, not the first witness, probably about the fifth witness that we were interviewing said, hey, go down the street and go talk to this guy because he is Khan's mother's boyfriend and Khan's mother gave him a gun and said that Khan gave him Khan right after the chase Khan stored the gun or hid the gun which ended up being a stolen weapon at his mother's house saying you're going to hear some stuff about me I didn't kill him but here's a gun I mean it's in in a machete as well Mm -hmm. so we, you know, the first year we were involved in the case, we were the ones that discovered the possible murder weapon. And we, if there is a murder and we discovered the, um, uh, the machete and we bagged and tagged it and got it up to Hampton, uh, who turned it over to SBI. It's sitting in a, in a, uh, in a, uh, locked safe up at OSBI headquarters. Um, but if it hadn't been for Ronnie and his due diligence in the first 48 of this thing, uh, I don't know that we'd be where we would be. I just don't. I just don't. Anyway, so to make a long story short, of, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and go over a eight year investigation, but I'm well, giving there's been a lot of a lot of moving parts. There's been a lot of uh, different people investigating it and it put together everybody's collaborative investigative techniques has helped move this case along. But I do think it's important to note that um, Molly Miller made a phone call at 9.33 a.m. on July 28th, um, and then her last phone call before her phone was completely either dead or turned off um, was 9.39 a.m. Now, we will tell you what, I'll give you a little glimpse inside the file. Molly's last phone call, or actually when her phone went dead, was 9.39 a.m. According to the cell phone tower pings, 
when she was on, well, let's step back. When she was on the phone, the witness who we don't want to give his name, the witness states, Molly said, look, I'm on Pike road and I'm at Oswald road. I'm at the corner. I'm looking at the sign. This is according to the witnesses. I'm looking at the street sign. So therefore we know from the point to where all the dogs, all the dog teams hit to Long Hollow Road, you can draw a line to get there. So so, so we know she was there, right? I mean, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Not Long Hollow Road, Pike Road. Pike Road and Oswald Road. We know that she made it from A to B. We know it, according to Molly's own words. Now, there were cars going back and forth. Remember, this is July. The sun, sun, sun comes up at what, 6.15, 6.20 in the morning. Uh, we believe that she did make it down that road and she was jumping in between. But you have to, uh, the road and the ditch, by the way, to, so people wouldn't see her because she's paranoid. Now, in missing persons cases, Tim Miller has taught us this. Uh, Trey Sargent has taught us this. The FBI and the classes we go to have taught us this. Uh, professional trackers, again, in the classes we go to, we keep up with, uh, have taught us this. It is always the path of least resistance. And you must look for structure between point A and B in the path of least resistance. Now, we didn't know what point A was until we actually got all the dog teams out there and we did the search. And notice how we kept it real quiet, what everybody was doing, right? Uh, by the way, I need to say something, remind me about the, the Indian nation. We need to talk about them a little bit. They've done a great job. They did brought in drones. They brought it. I mean, it was just, it's, it's just, it's quintessential. Let's get this solved. So from point a, where we knew that, that he fell out of the tree to point B, where we knew Molly had called her friends and said, "Lo, look, I know where I am. I'm sitting at the corner here and here. Okay. We know that those are the two dots that we need to put together. How did Molly get from the tree all the way to the intersection? Okay. So we put that together through the years. How do we do it? We did it or how did everyone do it? Not we, not us. How did everyone as a team put it together? Well, we brought in the dogs. We found ground zero. I think we were the first team that found ground zero. Uh, our team was, and I'm going to give them kudos. I'm going to give, again, Trey Sargent. I mean, my God, this girl's just unbelievable. She's wonderful. And by the way, she has a podcast. What's the name of that podcast? Everyone needs to listen to it. It's The Seeker's Quest. The Seeker's Quest. Google that. That's Trace Sargent's uh, blog. I'm plugging you there, Trace. And 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 you got to listen to her adventures. I mean, they're just mind-boggling how she solves cases. But anyway, so we knew Ground Zero was there. And we knew Molly had picked up the phone and called her friends from B, right? So A and B. What is the path of least resistance? Okay. And that is a ravine, a certain ravine. Now, yeah, you're going to say there's two or three ravines down there. Yes, there is. But in the middle of the night, 
in pitch black what you can see and what you can't see. Remember, you're out there with the snakes and the alligators. Oh, not alligators. The snakes. That's down here. The snakes and the and the wild animals and the, the raccoons and the, I mean anything that goes bump in the night. Remember, Molly is scared. She doesn't know where she is, and she's high on methamphetamine. So you want to look in the biggest ravine that you can find because the bigger the space is, the more a person is apt to follow it. Now, let me tell you why. This is according to the FBI guys that that, that are, are that do wonderful work, U.S. Marshals, all these people we consult with to learn. Look, I'm 62 years old, folks. I learn every day of the week. So we learn from as professional investigators, not amateur, sit on the internet, Facebook, we think we know what happened. As professional investigators, we have learned that the, you always go the path of least resistance. Now, let's talk about point A. Point A, where we did the original search and got the hits, and actually we did a dig. We brought in the track hoe, and we brought in... Uh, uh, we brought in uh, an anthropologist. We brought in a lot of a lot of folks came in on that. OSBI was there. Uh, you know, it was just it, it was just one of those places where we found and we thought they could be buried, but they were not buried there. That's where the incident happened. From the point of where we dug, and if you look to the north northeast, there was a fence line approximately, I'm going to say 100 yards to the north-northeast. We did not have permission to get on that land, one. And two, we were told by a landowner and one of the original law enforcement officers that that area there had already been searched by on horseback and that it had already been searched manually. We now learn two years, three years later, that that's not true. It didn't happen. The area wasn't searched. Now, chance hit on that certain area where the tree branch was down in the ravine. And after chance hit, Trace does a thing called a release. Gives him a ball and he's released from the scent. And, you know, and again, I'm not a dog handler. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend I know. But the dog handler released the dog. Well, now, usually what Chance does is comes up for affection from Trace, right? Or, you know, goes over and sits down and she fixes him a little thing of water and he sips some water. And, you know, if it's hot outside, I think that day it was kind of cold, wasn't it? We were all in warm clothes when we did the I actually the wasn't there that day, so I'm not sure. Oh, you weren't there? Okay. The okay. pictures would show everybody was. Yeah, you definitely. can go back on our website and look at it. Uh, the pictures of where we were and, and the dig itself. Um, so the dog didn't do that. Chance ran up a hill, got onto a flat area, and took off towards a fence line that was about, like I say, 100, maybe 150 feet to the northeast of us. Now, that's going up a steep hill and getting to a flat, but he had his nose in the air. Well, everybody thought, Maybe he had heard something or maybe something had happened because he was being very, not lethargic, but very 
um, confused. He had his nose up in the air a lot. He was, you know, kind of, hmm, we're here and there's a lot of scent. So Trace took him to the south, southwest along this line. And he was hitting all the way up and down this line. Now, folks, let me tell you what he was hitting on. He, he would stop and he would alert and she would release him and we put a red flag. He'd go another 200 yards. Charlie uh, from our office was with her. Um, that was the incident where we had somebody watching us from the, from the, from the nip fence line that uh, we saw he, they had a rifle and they had binoculars. And so we had to set up a perimeter. I mean, it was a mess. I'm just going to be honest with everybody. It was a freaking mess. And um, kept going down the line and kept hitting. And I'm talking half a mile downstream, just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. And so the idea was, well, maybe this is the incident spot and the scent had been washed down the ravine. It happens. Happens a lot. That's how we track some of these things. Finally got about a half a mile away from the original hit, and that's the conclusion the dog handlers came to. Well, so as we got Trace back up to camp, we kind of watched Chance a little bit, and he still put his nose in the air, had his nose in the air, had his nose in the air. And we just thought there was so much scent in that area from blood loss, tissue. We just kind of thought, you know, wow, I mean, it's overwhelming his senses. Well, little did we know that across the fence was a possible site. Now, how do we know this? Well, let's get to the modern technology with cell phones. When, Mo when Molly hit on her cell phone, the 911 tower, the technology today and the information from back then, we can track the cell phone ping location within what, Caroline, 100 feet of where the where you might be standing. We we know where you are. Okay, it's 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 it's. I'm not going to sit here and tell you all it's easier, but I can tell you all that we do have the technology now to be able to know where you are when you use your cell phone. Now you may say, well, I have my location, location turned, off. turned off or whatever. No, no, that doesn't matter. The cell phone towers know where you are. Remember, and I tell my clients this, a cell phone is only a fancy walkie talkie. That's all it is. Okay. So when you transmit, it's like the police cars now. They, The dispatchers all know where their police cars are because of the 900 technology. Everything's up on 900 frequencies now. And so we knew within a certain area where Molly was standing, guess where that was? Uh-huh. Right where the, all the dogs hit. Now, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about the technology, how it worked, and why we feel we're in the right place. You're listening to Klein Files. My name's Philip Klein. We'll be back in just a minute. Southeast Texas DJ and Rentals is a locally owned business right here in Southeast Texas. Known for custom rentals of benches, chairs, and all of your wedding decor needs, Southeast Texas DJ is here to serve you. 
From supplying your music to all of the rentals they offer, you can get many services for the right price. Make sure to check out their website at www.southeasttexasdj.com and for a limited time, use the code KIC to get their deal of the month. All right, so we're back. Where we left off was we were explaining a little bit about technology, the cell phone towers and and how we use cell phone tower pings now to track you and where you may be and how it works. Remember folks, when you sign that contract for your cell phone, you're signing away your rights for us to know where you are, who you are and what to do and be able to use. Now we have to have proper things, proper subpoenas, that sort of thing. So as we did this, we, did the cell phone technology a little bit different this time because of the technology. And we were able to track down an area where a cell phone ping came from. Lo and behold, the cell phones died in an area roughly. And I want to say, Carolyn, 600 yards, 650 yards from where all the dogs hit, meaning that, most likely that Colt drug himself from the original location to over a fence line to about 650 yards away from the original fall site. Again, we we've got this from cell cell phone technology. So here's what happened. A great detective police officer, I'm not going to say his name, quietly was putting all of this together. He used information from gatherings, from interviews that we did, listened to them. He got all law enforcement's records, went through them, and he put together based upon fact, based upon new technology. And he was able to get an area that was approximately, again, 650 yards away from where all the dogs hit. And the bottom line is, and I'm going to say, we messed up. Chance wanted to go that way. He wanted to go up in there. But we felt that at the time that with the dog hits to the south, we concentrated south southwest, right, Caroline? South-southwest, right. Southwest, right. We concentrated south-southwest. We did not go north-northeast, and we should have. We just blew it. I mean, this thing probably would be in a different phase because I want to explain that to you all here in just a second. This thing would be in a different phase at this point, but we just messed up. And I guess it goes back to trusting the dogs. And I know there's a lot of controversy about dogs and how they work, et cetera, but we, frankly should have trusted chance and let chance do his thing. And it goes back to sometimes you can't trust witnesses always be factual and verify. We should have stuck with the theory that anytime you have that much of a dog hit or that much confusion from a dog where he's hitting, you usually want to check within a thousand yards around that area. And we didn't do that. We just didn't do it. We did it to the south. We did it to the west. We did it to the north. But we didn't go north, north, east because we would have had to gone on somebody else's property and cross a fence line. And you don't do that. If you're honest, 
in your business, your honest police officer, your honest PSB investigator, you do things by the book. So this police officer put this all together and said, here's ground zero. This is where these folks probably are going to be found. This is where their cell phones both died within however many feet of each other. So he put to get put, put together what's called a affidavit for a search warrant. Now let's explain why this property has been sold. The original owner probably would have said, not a problem. Get out there and go get him. But this guy is, he's just not ready to have a bunch of people tracing all over his property. That's his right. It's his property. That property is now tribal land. So anything that has to be done has to be done with the cooperation of the, uh, and I, I always mispronounce the tribe. Is it Chuckshaw? Chickasaw? Ch Chuck Chuckasaw. I think it's, you pronounce it Chuckasaw. And, 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 and my apologies to the Indian nation up there if I pronounced it wrong, uh, but the let's just call it the Indian nation so I don't get in any deeper water. And so they these guys are involved. I mean, nobody knew that the tribal nation was involved, but they are involved because it's tribal land now. Anyway, long story short, um, he has decided that he does not want everybody on his property. He doesn't want anybody walking around out there. Okay. So the only other option is, is to get a search warrant. Now, here's the problem. We don't have probable cause at this time that a crime has been committed. We do have probable cause to say we have two missing people. Okay. So with that being said, real quick, as I'm sitting here reading, there was a recent um, news article that came out in 2021 stating that the OSBI, um, which is Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, um, officially ruled Molly's disappearance as a homicide in 2014. So can you explain how it was ruled as a homicide, but yet there the affidavit of for the warrant is being rejected stating that there wasn't enough probable cause. So when you do a probable cause affidavit, it works like this. A police officer writes up a probable cause affidavit that a crime has been committed or request for search warrant. He did a, a request for search warrant. He took it to the district attorney, the district attorney, good guy, got up out of his chair, went right upstairs to the district judge and said, with the police officer said, we'd like you to sign this. The judge, now remember what a judge is. A judge is not a blank slate. A judge has to listen to the prosecution and he has to listen to the defense. He has to rule fairly. If not, a defense attorney can bring up in trial that the search warrant was from the fruit of the poisonous tree. What does that mean legally? Legally, that means that the search warrant that he signed was not based upon any probable cause that a crime had been committed. What's your proof? I mean, that's the layman's term. That's what he asked. What's your proof that a crime was committed? Well, they're missing. Okay, what's your proof that somebody killed them? What is your probable cause that these kids were murdered? And the honest answer is, yeah. Now, OSBI said, boom, they're missing. Okay, boom, it was most likely a homicide. Okay, great. 
what's your proof that is most likely a homicide? So that's where we are. The judge denied the search warrant and said, do more work, bring me another search warrant. That is what they're in the process of doing. And so there you get the internet nutbags, right, that all run out. And I get, look, look, folks, I answered a guy on the internet. I probably shouldn't have. I shouldn't. I don't even, my guys all tell me, don't read it. It's just, it's just trash. And I answered a guy and he says, anytime Klein's involved, 80% of the time, you know, it's going to be screwed up. And we all just kind of look at each other and go, where do you get this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And then, you know, again, he puts up his proof, and all of it is from our dead stalker, Thomas Retzloff, and which, by the way, the next podcast in January will be uh, will be on Thomas Retzloff because we're going to tell you the story behind Thomas Retzloff because we think everyone needs to learn from what a professional stalker does, right? Uh, we call it doxing. We've already done one on doxing, but now we're going to apply it to us and we're going to let y'all hear the behind the scenes story. Anyway, the bottom line of this is, is that the district judge, he's going to sign a, he's going to sign a search warrant, but there has to be the proper predicate for those of you outside of law school. Proper predicate is, Hey, this happened on this day. This happened on this day. This happened on this day. This has led us to believe this is a homicide. That was not put into the search warrant, but they're working on a new search warrant. Now, your question is, why did we release that? Because we want you, the public, to know that law enforcement is doing their jobs. We want you to know, and we're not going to sit here and toot our own horn, but we're doing our jobs. We're doing it very silently. We're doing it together, and and cases get solved. It's like you know, there's been so much law enforcement contact with us over the last two weeks, actually over the last month on this Miller case, that everybody's kind of sat at the table and gone, God, why didn't we do this three years ago? Why didn't law enforcement say, hey, here's some stuff that we have. Hey, here's some stuff that we have, which we're mandated reporters, Caroline. Explain what a mandated reporter is so everybody knows. Meaning that if we um, come across a crime or if we are told about a crime, we have a certain amount of time. I believe it's like 20, 72 40, hours, 72 hours to report the crime. Right. And the 72 hours in Texas is because we've got to analyze it. We've got to see if it fits the evidence we have. And if it does, then we need to write it in a formal report. Usually we here at this firm, we do it in sworn affidavit. Reason we do it in sworn affidavit is because we want law enforcement to know we're willing under the penalty of perjury, perjury to tell you what we know. And they take us seriously on that. I mean, I'm what well, we did it down in Florida. We've done it in, uh, uh, California. We've done it in uh, Idaho. I mean, we've done it all around the United States and the law enforcement looks at us and go, why are y'all swearing to this? Because, because we want you to know that these are the facts. And of course, when it comes up in trial, they look at us and go, well, you, you did a sworn affidavit and you stuck to this sworn affidavit from day one. Yes, we have. Why? Well, because it's the truth. Remember, I say this all the time and I know everybody rolls their eyes. The truth is the ultimate defense. You guys on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the hell y'all are on, y'all can write anything you want to do. You can come up with any kind of theory you want to come up with. 
But until you're willing to put your left hand on the Bible and raise your right hand and swear that that's the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God, keep your mouth shut. That's my advice. So the affidavit is being worked on. They're putting a little bit more evidence together. OSBI is doing their job. Hampton and his crew have done their job. There's nothing much more for them to do. And Carter County, Wilson, City of, the Chalkshaw Police Agencies, and, of course, Love County, who this new sheriff, I say he's new, he's not really new. He's been around, what, four or five years now. He has done a bang-up job. I think even you're happy with him, huh? Uh, I mean, I've met with him one time, and I've, I mean, I'm assuming he's doing his job, but he he has his deputy doing his job for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't do have a deputy do a job unless the sheriff supports you. Right. And yeah. if we ever see this guy leaves this case, trust me, that that's going to be a big deal. I mean, I'm telling you, that's going to be a big deal because this guy knows this case inside and out. Yeah. So there you go. The Molly Miller case. That's where it is. So all of you guys take a breath. Take a step back. Let law enforcement do their job. Let us do our jobs. And again, you know, we're private security. Okay, folks, we're 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 private security. If you if you don't like me, that's great. I mean, happy days to you. I mean, people who have hate in their heart, I really don't have much trust them in the first place, right? These are people that are usually dysfunctional people. But everybody's due an opinion. Some people love me. Some people tolerate me. Some people hate me, but you'll get one thing from me. Or they love you behind the scenes and have to publicly state that they hate you. Yeah, we yeah, that's the, the that's the new breed, right? I mean, <laughs> the new breed is. is is they they come they 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 meet me in person. Man, I'm behind you 100. percent But uh, this is so political. I got to take the other side. That's fine. Usually get that from law enforcement a lot. Klein, you really tore this one up, man. That's a great job. Thank you so much. You know, I, I try to tell everybody some of our best work, the story can never be told. I mean, I can get beat up on the internet all over the place and, you know, even the media tears me up sometimes, but that's okay. I mean, I, that's part of the job. That's part of what it's about. But folks, don't give up hope. And that's one thing we say around here. Don't give up hope. Keep working. Keep your head down. There might be something we've missed. We are not perfect. I, I will tell you, we are not perfect. And you're only as good as your next case. It's like this guy in North Carolina that he just hates me for one some reason. He has a podcast and he just. I don't even pay him any more attention. I know, but I, I just, it's it just, annoying. it doesn't bother me. I mean, it may annoy you. It doesn't annoy me. I even no, got on. I even, what's that guy's name? I don't even know. I don't even remember his name. But anyway, I even c uh, called him on the phone and say, hey, hey, I'll come out there and talk. Put me on your podcast. I'll fly out there and come sit in your little studios you have, and and I'll sit down and I'll talk to you about the case and what's going on and what happened and where is it all going. And seems like he started following me in about two or three of our cases. And it was like, wow, you know, you're, you're uneducated. You don't know the facts. You want our case file? Hell, I'll bring our case file. And you can read through our case file. You know why? Because, folks, it's what I talk about all the time. We're not perfect. We might have missed something. Maybe his eyes might pick up on something. And, again, remember, 
you're only as good as your next case. And I, it, it does it frustrate me? No. But I just wish everybody would, what do I say around here, Caroline? Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Take a step back, right? Yeah. I mean, how many times have we screwed up and then we've got had to go back through and, and do something and, and we find out we did mess up? But yeah. Anyway. So there you go. That's the Molly Miller case. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Now, one last little tidbit from uh, us here at the uh, at Klein Investigations and Consulting and Texas Professional Bodyguards. Uh, listen, it's Christmas. Let's pray for the missing. Let's pray for the folks that have been found that are trying to rediscover life. We've got one that is really having a hard time right now. Folks. Hold your family close this Christmas. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. No family fights. Smile a little bit. Pray a lot. And enjoy your Christmas. We hope you have a very great Christmas. Um, you know, my six grandchildren, I'm out doing the Santa thing for them right now. And I've had the biggest smile on my face, especially this morning after I got stuck with needles this morning. No fun there. But, um, I just, uh, I just hope for all of you, you know, we talk about this a lot, five missing people a day, the United States of America, five people go missing every day, every day in the United States of America. Pray for those families. Okay. Caroline. All right. Well, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on, um, whatever podcast platform you have, um, catch up on our old episodes if you haven't already. And then also you can follow us on Instagram at KIC Texas and our Facebook page is Klein investigations. Uh, we also have the Klein file set up on Facebook too, where we will, um, release the episode whenever it airs. I saw you take a picture. Did you take a picture of me? I did. What for? Um, you can check our Instagram. Oh, geez. Here I go. Somebody's going to do a meme on it or something, right? A meme? Do you say meme or meme? A meme. Meme. Somebody's going to do a meme on it. Tomato, tomato. There. There you go. Have a great one. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry and Christmas. We'll talk to you after the new year. <laughs>